Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Come inside, the show's about to start. Guaranteed to blow your head apart. Hello, and welcome back. Jake's World, episode 48 of Jake's World, presented by the Nuance Magazine. I'm your host, Jake Sawinski, and today is Monday, December 7th. Crazy week of football, (laughs) once again. Um, With all the scheduling conflicts of last week, we have two Monday night games, the Washington football team just defeated the Pittsburgh Steelers 23-17 at Heinz Field. New York Giants beat Seattle Seahawks 17-12 on the road. The Jets almost won. Greg Williams does the worst defensive play call of all time. Down four, pretty much an engage eight. The old Madden play. Derek Carr throws a deep ball to Henry Ruggs. And the Jets are still Winless, 0-12. I mean, that was 100% intentional, even though they fired Greg Williams. He's a terrible defensive coordinator. He's not a good dude either. Um, some bounty-esque stuff. He was involved in that, you know, years prior, and I saw some video on Twitter about that today. So, I mean, he's not good. But, I mean, put the team on your back. Whatever, right? Um... Not gonna talk too much about the sports today because I finally got that interview I was um, talking to you guys about. Right, I said weeks prior that I wanted to start talking to other people, even if it's just shooting the shit. Right, it doesn't have to be anything significant. Doesn't have to be anyone significant. Doesn't matter. It's just a different voice. And um, talk to one of my buddies. Will, he's still in school. Um, he's interning at Nuance Magazine, sponsor of the show. Plays baseball at Edgewood College. Kind of talked to him about that a little bit. Um, and then just, you know, some more of the sports stuff. So I'm not going to, like, get too deep into it this show. This one, it's not going to be a lot of me talking in this episode. So that's okay, right? I mean, it's definitely a change of pace. And, yeah, let's fucking get to it. Will Mosa right now. Before I do get into it, I do apologize about the sound quality. We did have to do it over Zoom with everything going on, but anyways, here it is. Okay, it's about time. This has been a long work in progress here, but it is my pleasure to bring on to Jake's World an ex-teammate, ex-throwing partner, one of my best friends that are still at zoom.u, zoom you, whatever you want to call it. It's Will Mosa. How you doing, buddy? Fantastic. Again, super long overdue. This has been in the works for God knows how long. Ex-podcasters, if you remember, a couple years back. I on do the first remember. Trial, on the first trial run. But well, we're doing good. Well, we were doing good for all the, the, you know, the two episodes we did. But um, it's a real shame that you're back in Colorado because of, you know, some of the 
real world consequences we have right now. It would have been much better to do this in person for sound quality and such, but that's not the case. So I do apologize for any um, bad sound quality. Um, so let's get into it. So as you know, Jake's World is sponsored by The Nuance Magazine. We did, I did talk about it with Casey Willis several months back about the opportunity he took and what he's doing. And you are involved with that as well. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So Casey, ex-teammate of both of ours, um, he also hooked me up with it right around the same time that he got that opportunity. So I've been with them since March, and I basically – am a glorified intern um, and a, a very long extended stay intern. And I pretty much just write for the magazine, which is, you know, it's very fun. I, I like it a lot. The group of people is dope. So, you know. Now, what made you want to do that? I mean, are you going to school for communications? Do you want to do journalist stuff or you want to be a writer? Like what prompted you to do that and why did you choose them? Um, it was a lot of different things. Like I, I'm a marketing major and I'm definitely uh, not into the communications, nor did I think I would ever be a writer of sorts, but I've always had this like passion for music. And when the original shutdown happened, all of my internship uh, opportunities got canceled because of, you know, Naturally. the thing that's happened. Yeah. And uh, this kind of fell into my lap thanks to Casey and it's kind of just history from there. I haven't wanted to leave. So I keep on saying, can I stay on for the next three months or whatever? And they're, you know, more than happy to keep me on. So. Now nuance is kind of, it's not just music, right? It's kind of culture. It's kind of lifestyle, fashion, stuff like that. Do you do anything besides just the music stuff or do you kind of just hone in on that? Um, I pretty much just focus in on the music stuff as far as my writing is concerned. Um, I don't do much on the marketing side. So my, my piece is mainly just writing about music, but yeah, there's a lot more that goes into it than just that. That's cool. That's cool. Where can people check that out if they are interested in that? At the nuance magazine on Instagram and Twitter, as well as the nuance Go check it out. I have lots of fun pieces in there. You can, you know, see my writing. I'm probably better spoken on, uh, on pen and paper than I am in person, but. Oh, everyone is, I feel like, can have some editing <laughs> go into it. But um, didn't a new newsletter just drop for that as well? Yes. A couple weeks the, ago? The, what, what month are we in right here? The uh, winter, winter? I, I think it is fall. winter. Fall. No, fall, it is. Issue. fall issue just dropped uh, two weeks ago, I believe. So go check it out. I have a feature piece in it towards the back. Towards the back. Okay. Towards the back. It is like the middle to the end part of it. Oh, well, you got to pick up your game. You got to get featured in the front. Uh, you know, this is the second one I'm featured in. I was towards the front in the first one, a little bit further back on this one. but Sounds like you're trending in the wrong direction. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. Um, <laughs> check out the Nuance magazine. Will likes writing for it, and they put together a pretty, pretty wholesome project there. It's cool stuff. So – you did mention that we were former teammates. I'm out of school. I've been removed from uh, college athletics for, what, a year and a half, almost two years now. 
and with everything going on COVID and all that stuff, it is so unrelatable to me how you guys are able to do the season, right? Take us into that a little bit. I mean, naturally you're going to have the apparent things happen, um, schedule delays, um, cases come up and you have to postpone practice, but take us a little deeper into what actually goes on behind the scenes and the attitude around it and stuff like that. Go ahead and uh, enlighten us with that. Well, I mean, you know that normal fall ball is five weeks, 15 practices and call it a, you know, call it a day and then go about your business until Feb one. Uh, this fall was, was weird all over the place. We started off, you know, a couple practices a week, kind of getting back into the swing of things. And then uh, we had a bunch of on-campus cases with a lot of student athletes. So we got shut down for three weeks where every student athlete, no class, no weight room, you know, only see the people in your living unit. So for me, that's me and my, uh, and my six roommates. Um, and that was the case for two and a half to, to, I think two and a half weeks, a little bit more than that. And then from there it was six practices a week up until, and then we even practiced in, in mid November. We got some, we got a week where it was like 65 every day, which was nonsense in the middle of November, which you'd ne I never thought I'd see the day of myself practicing outside in November, but we found ourselves at the, the good old Chuck and uh, it's, it's been hectic as far as, you know, what you can do. You can't really see the team outside of practice. So team bonding has been much harder this year than anything. It's, you know, everyone, since the shutdown happened, it's been really, you know, we kind of realized like where our priorities are at. So it's, you know, you see your couple of, of lifting partners whenever you work out with them and then you see the people you live with and then that's kind of it. And you just go about your business. We don't really see anybody outside the team. So it's, you know, outside of classes, you don't. So interaction is basically who you live with. So it was a lot of work, but I think, uh, I think people grew up pretty quick this, this semester and it was, you know, we want to play. So, uh, however we got to make that happen, that's kind of what we're committed to. Mm -hmm. And building off of that, I mean, you did mention that commit the being committed to that end goal playing in spring, right? Now, I'm no stranger to this either. Sometimes, you know, being in an environment where you're able to partake in other activities like a normal college student would, how easy or difficult is it to avoid those extracurricular distractions, even in a time where you're supposed to be, you know, shut down, isolated, not forthgoing with other people? Um, I, think, I think it's kind of a mixed bag. So for the older guys who actually had our, our, you know, our season taken away, basically in a 12 hour period, we went from, you know, heading down to spring break, getting ready for our season to start to sitting at home for the next seven months without seeing anybody on the team. You know, we just cut the, pull the cord, everyone got sent home. And when we got back, it was made very clear to us that, you know, if you're going to play, you have to commit to not doing those things. And then, you know, you get the new group of guys who college is new for them. They just had their senior year taken away from them and they want to experience things. And it's really hard for them to understand, I think, off the bat that this is how it has to be. Um, but they also, you know, matured really quick and were like, okay, I understand that if we want, you know, we want to play. So if we want to play, then we can't do any of these distractions that you see normal, like normal students all the time you see going out. UW had a bunch of problems with kids going out. 
and we've just been, you know, locked up. But if that's how it has to be, that's how it has to be. So it's tough. It's definitely, especially as a senior, you know, your last ride in, in college to just sit in your house. But if that's the way we got to play, that's the way we got to play. Yeah, definitely some strange circumstances and a change for, like you said, for those older guys, because you are used to the way it was, you know, a year prior. And now it's totally different, but you guys are aware enough that in order to make it happen, you have to do this way. You got to do it this way. Now, this isn't, this isn't a blanket problem, right? It's not just for the Edgewood College baseball team. It's not for the guys you interact with or the people you interact with. It's kind of for everybody. Now, how are the other programs affected by this, especially now that um, I think soccer would have been concluded by now. Volleyball would have been concluded right now. How did their seasons play out, and what were some of the um, issues that came up, how they overcame that for someone who might not know? how that whole process went out at least for for you know soccer and the track and field sports the people who can practice outside they were in a, a similar situation to us where they knew that their season was getting pushed back to the spring um right off the bat they, you know they were told your season will not happen during fall semester it'll resume in whenever we get back basically so february is when they'll start um but they were able to practice outside because you're outside um, I know it's been rather difficult for, you know, volleyball, basketball, um, just because they, they practice in the dome and the dome has been shut down. You can't necessarily gather indoors. So having practice indoors with an entire team is pretty much off limits in Dane County. Um, so I believe they've, they've been able to, to be able to practice. They go and, you know, two kids go at a time or something. Um, I'm not sure on the, the exact specifics, but. I mean, they haven't really been able to gather, so I'm sure it's been much harder on the indoor sports than it has the outdoor. Like for us, it's a lot easier to have 30 guys in a giant field to distance and be outside. Um, whereas if you're playing basketball, you know, close quarters, indoors, a little bit different situation. So I think it's been tougher on them. Um, and even as far as like the weight room, we can only have 10 people in there at a time, which, um, you know, our weight room is not super big, so 10 people in there even is still kind of a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's, we've made it work. So as long as it keeps working. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's really what you have to hope for, right? As long as you keep doing what you can do in order to make the situation better, you just got to keep plugging away at that. Now, I think there are a couple of guys on your team that were thinking about playing two sports. Lacrosse would have been in the fall, correct? Or men's volleyball would have been in the fall, correct? Men's volleyball is like on the basketball schedule. So they start like towards the end of first semester and go through winter and then are finished in uh, mid-February, I want to say, or early March, right before have, our conference start. Do you have any dual sport athletes on your team now with some of the younger guys coming in? No, not on baseball, not on the baseball team. Okay, so I guess it's a little easier for uh, you guys to hone in on what you're trying to do. But let's transition off of the COVID stuff, right? Let's talk college football. We had been talking before we sat down to do this interview about the college football playoff and a potential solution that your big brain has in order to shake it up, make it more interesting, right? take us in there what do you what do you got um well for starters 
I think that this year, more than anything, the college football playoff and rankings are just nonsense because you have conferences like the Pac-12 that are going to play five games this year. And, I mean, it's basically a contest of who can play the most games, and there's conferences that started later than others. Basically, I think the NCAA is trying their best to put in, no matter what, Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Ohio State into that playoff, and then go from there. And I think that's the case most years, is they try their best to keep those four teams in the mix. Um, and even with Notre Dame being in the ACC this year, they're still going to try and put in both, which is stupid. Um, I think if you really want a good representation of who the best team in college football is, you need to expand it. I think eight teams might be a little too much once you start really thinking about it. But if you did six teams, I think, uh, I think that's a nice happy medium to where you can actually see some representation other than those four teams that nobody wants to watch, especially this year. And I think you're seeing um, a lot of teams that, for lack of a better phrase, don't really care because they know that you're not going to get in going 5-0 and to the playoff no matter what. So I think they're just kind of out there going through the motions. I mean, you see a team like Penn State, typically at the top of the Big Ten. They're 1-5. They're playing Rutgers right now, and I believe it's a, still a tight game, which should not be the case, but no, it is. No, I picked him. I picked, I picked Rutgers to cover today, plus 13. I would have, too. Yeah. <laughs> I would have, too. So. And, then, and you're seeing quite possibly – in, in my opinion, the best college football game of the year that nobody can watch because it's featured on ESPNU and that matchup is Coastal Carolina and BYU. That should not be the case. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think everyone wants to see if either of those teams are actually good or if they're just ranked because they're 3-0. and And, I mean, I don't know. I can't even watch the game. It's on ESPNU. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, going off of what you said, I think you do have a point about how some teams are kind of just packing in it, packing it in this year, right? I mean, if you're to look at the entire college football landscape, there are probably three or four teams that actually have a, had a legitimate chance of making it into the playoff being kind of that bubble team, right? Notre Dame's obviously won. They did elect to play an ACC schedule this year. So typically they're independent and they play those games year in and year out that don't give them a ton of pull in order to make, you know, the seating. They have to be perfect. They have to win a big game outside of their typical schedule. You know, the ones they schedule down the road, like they play Stanford every year. They play army and Navy every year. They, some years they elect to play, you know, a bigger game in a power five with a power five program, right? They played Georgia a couple years ago. They lost a close game. They play Syracuse every year. They don't have, you know, the significant game in order to make that strength of schedule what it needs to be in order to make the playoff. This year they have that. Um, BYU is another team, right? I mean, they've been in the top 10, top 15 of the ranking all season. They're never, they're not a power five team. They're not going to have that in a normal situation. Um, it's another one. Wisconsin. Coastal. Coastal as well. Wisconsin's another team that had a chance, you know, they were really hyped going into the year. They've had some games fall off, you know, because of the COVID thing. They had some problems with their own program. Minnesota's having problems with their program. They weren't able to play last week. They lost a big game against Northwestern in Evanston, the worst place to play a college football game. If you're not Northwestern, it's like, I think the end goal of uh, the college football committee is to have those four best teams every year 
And realistically, Alabama and Clemson are always in the top two. But I don't think that's what the goal should be, right? Because, I mean, look at any other sport. Does the best team win every year? Probably not. Why should college football be any different, right? I mean, it would be more engaging to me anyways if you could expand that. You said eight might be too many, but maybe six is a good number. Expand that and see if you can get other teams in the mix because of how scheduling goes on the road. Like you said, some teams might only play five games. They're not even conference championship eligible, right? I mean, it's kind of shitty just, you know, with everything going on this year, but it's not going to be any different. I mean, had there not been any um, problems with, COVID, scheduling, things like that, it'd be the same. Three of the four teams would be the same. It would be Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State. Notre Dame might not be there. Maybe Wisconsin would be there. You don't know. It's kind of – it's just a weird situation, I guess. I mean, that's probably the best way I could put it. But I don't know. Well, I guess that just remains to be seen. Now, unfortunately for you, I don't know how. You're from Colorado. You like the New York Jets. A couple of weeks ago, I made a take saying that Trevor Lawrence would not um, declare for the draft this season to avoid being drafted by the Adam Gates dumpster fire. Do you see this likely? Do you see what? Expand on that. What do you think of the draft going forward for next year in relation to your New York football Jets? You know, I think you brought up two really good points being a dumpster fire for number one and Adam Gase dumpster fire for two. Um, I think those are the two best points you can make as a, as a very reluctant Jets fan. But, uh, you know, with the whole Trevor Lawrence thing, he's pretty much gotten as close to saying I'm not playing for that horrible organization without saying I'm not playing for that horrible organization. They asked him what he thinks and he keeps saying, Oh, we'll see how things play out. So I think one of two things, need to happen for the Jets to be successful in this year's draft. Either you trade the number one pick and actually get something for it, not like when they, you know, had uh, had Teddy Bridgewater as their backup quarterback and traded him for the seventh and ninth round pick or whatever they traded him for, and now he's having, you know, a pretty good year in Carolina. Um, you know, not the whole uh, Jamal Adams thing where they – you know, he said he wanted out and they refused to trade him and then they lost him and got nothing in return, you know. Not doing stupid things like that. I think they need to trade that number one pick for something, for something good, and then draft a different quarterback. Or just wait until Justin Fields comes out and do that. Because let's be honest, if I don't think – I don't see Trevor Lawrence going back to Clemson, but if the Jets pick him, I think he's just not going to sign and then sign elsewhere because he can just not sign. And it's not like nobody's going to try and pick him up. It's Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that guy's a dynamic talent, right? And he changed the face of any organization he played for. And, I mean, I think it's less the Jets themselves as it is Adam Case, right? He's kind of gained this reputation of being a quarterback killer, right? Um, He was in Miami for a long time. Look at – how Ryan Fitzpatrick has emerged as, I wouldn't say a quality starting quarterback, but a serviceable starting quarterback. Tannehill leaves town. He's playing with Tennessee now. He's doing pretty well. I mean, like Mike Vrabel's a good coach, but Tannehill has like 
flipped the script on his career. We all thought it was dead. I mean, he had a few injuries. I think he hurt his knee a couple of years back, but it's totally changed. And I feel like it's less playing for the Jets. You know, it's a big market, right? Playing in New York City is what it appeals to a lot of people. I think it's more Gase and his coaching style or lack of coaching, I guess. So I don't know if you saw what he said um, yesterday or two days ago, but he came out in an interview and he said, uh, it's my fault for not coaching Sam Darnold as well as I should. Like, no shit, right? Yeah, Mm -hmm. obviously it is. He's not good. He, He could be possibly at best a serviceable starting quarterback. Um, but not under him. And he even said, oh, it's my fault that he hasn't been playing as well as he should. It's your fault that the whole team is not playing as good as they should. Everybody leaves. Yeah, Robbie Anderson was a Jet for a very long time. Now he's in Carolina. He's one of the best receivers in the league right now. Mm-hmm. He's a top 10 receiver, having a crazy year. Uh, you know, Jamal Adams is also having a very good year. You know, they just – everybody that goes there leaves and does significantly better. It's true. And it's like – Staying on Darnold, it's kind of weird for me to see because when that class, that quarterback class, was highly touted, what, two, three years ago, I thought Darnold was going to be the best quarterback in that class, and it has not come to that yet, you know? I feel like he had the highest upside. I mean, look at Rosen. He's not even – I don't even know where he's playing. Is he in Miami? I don't even know if he's on the team right now. Yeah. I mean, the Cardinals gave him a chance. That didn't really work out. Um, I think Lamar Jackson has had the best um, success out of that class. I think he was in that class. He had the, he's had the best career thus far, but even he's shown some problems passing the ball down the field. And, I mean, this year has been so strange. I mean, he gets COVID. But, I mean, even before that, he hasn't looked good throwing the ball. He uses his legs pretty well. But aside from that, I mean, that passing the ball down the field hasn't been there. Baker Mayfield's kind of the same thing. They have Cleveland has a heavy running game. He doesn't look great throwing the ball down the field. So if you put Darnold in the right situation, I feel like his strengths would come out, which is being a pocket passer. He's not mobile, but it's hard when you don't have anything around you to help you for one. That's the GM. And then you're in a coaching scheme where you can't even – showcase your talents so i don't know we were in trouble uh we knew we were in trouble when i think week five or six rolled around and the leading receiver was uh braxton barrios who i've never heard of up until this (laughs) i said i don't know who this guy guy is but the fact that he's the leading receiver is not a good sign and now Le'Veon's gone you know all that that whole thing happened this year too let's not forget Mm -hmm. so I mean, not that he's doing a lot in Kansas City, but he's probably much better off there than he is in New York. Uh, yeah, I'd say so. He's probably going to win a Super Bowl ring by default. <laughs> he's going to get something out of it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that guy wanted his bag, and he got it, and then the Jets kind of give up on it, you know, 18, 19 weeks in of his contract, playing anyways. Um, do you miss Todd Bowles? Sort of. Which is a shame. No, 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 but yeah, that's what I, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, I mean, yes. (laughs) I mean, he's a D coordinator somewhere, I think. Isn't he with Tampa? Uh, That is a great question. Honestly, I have no clue where he went after that whole thing happened. But uh, I'll put it this way. I 
if I, you know, put a gun to my head and I got to choose between the two, I'm taking Todd Bowles 100 out of 100 times, which should say something. That, okay, that's fair. And <laughs> let's wrap up this interview with one question. Is Joe Flacco elite? No, absolutely <laughs> Absolutely not. I've never agreed with that argument. And, you know. Well, you shouldn't. It's a joke. Uh, I mean, he won, the guy won a Super Bowl. Yeah. At, at one point in his career, you know, you could have argued that. Yeah. I love seeing PFT commenters Flacco meter every Sunday. <laughs> love it that's how you should know that's how you should know he's not elite he got cut from the broncos for failing his physical and then the jets you know wizard of a gm you know scooped him up with a a price probably far too high for what they should pay for for having that piece of garbage on their roster and then he goes to nasty he's got to play he had to play this year which was even worse mm. arguably a worse a worse uh a worse option at qb than Darnold at this yeah point. All right, I lied. One more question. What do you, I, we both like hockey very much. How do you think the New York Rangers are going to pan out this year? I still believe they're a couple years away. I really like what they've been doing. Um, I, I described them either last year or two years ago as a glorified AHL team. Um, basically, everybody, everybody on their roster was extremely young, aside from Lundquist. Um, but now that they're kind of growing into that, you know, they still have pieces around them. They still got Kreider. And I always complain because, you know, it seems like every four years they trade away the entire team for God knows what, I don't know what they ever get in those trades, but it seems like every, every couple of years they trade everybody away, but you know, they got some, some hot, uh, some hot players rising up. Uh, Philip Heidel, I'm a big fan of, he's a good mm -hmm. scorer. I think they've got some dudes. I still think they're a couple years out, but you know, uh, they're rebuilding much better than the Jets are. So, and the Knicks. So I'll give them that one. Okay. Well, I mean, having Artemi Panarin, the bread man, also helps as well. Like I said. Yeah, that was a big pickup last year. That was a very good signing. All right. Well, Will, this was a lot of fun. Might have to have you back on much sooner than I anticipate. I sure hope so. <laughs> I mean, earn my spot. All right. I mean, I'm sure I would like to keep your nuggets of wisdom or lack thereof on the show. Keep, keep the curveballs coming. And this was fun. Once again, that was See this again soon, huh? Mosa, former of course. Of Thank you for having and, me on as uh, always. Oh yeah. Talk to you soon. Take it easy, buddy. Intern, I guess. Later, bud. Nuance magazine. Like I said, I've been saying for a while, check that out. Check out nuance. They do a lot of cool stuff. He talked about it, of course, but, um, Hopefully you enjoyed that interview. I mean, definitely a change pace. I mean, I liked it. I mean, it's awesome that, you know, you can just um, shoot the shit, right? Sometimes doing a podcast like this is super fun because, I mean, those normal conversations you would do anyways, you're able to just build off that and record it. And sometimes um, it can be pretty entertaining. Will's a goofy dude, too, and uh, we kept it pretty normal for the most part, but that could change. I mean, I'd love to have him back on. Had a good time shooting shit, right? He kept it under control, though. That was good. So, all right. I mean, that pretty much concludes it for today's show. Just kind of wanted to keep it as a change of pace 
like I said, and, you know, with everything going on, it's hard to talk about other things, you know, besides sports, COVID, or politics, right? It seems to be really the only things, those seem to be the only things that are actually happening, and two to three, I don't want to talk about all the time, and one of the three I find myself talking about all the time, so it's a good mix-up, and I want to keep going off of that, right? Maybe once a week or once every two weeks I could do a feature with somebody, right? Anybody. I don't care. I mean, as long as... You don't even have to provide value. Like, as long as it's a good mix-up, right? We can talk about all kinds of things. We pl- I planned this beforehand, you know? We can try to be semi-engaging, right? Maybe you do have a unique perspective. In Will's case, he did. But it doesn't even have to be like that. I mean, we could just fucking talk sports. It doesn't matter to me. But hopefully you enjoyed that interview. And I'd like to do more of that in the future. So let's keep the show growing. Right? This was good because it is something different. It's not just me talking into the microphone the whole time about the same old things. Someone else saying something different. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at... Jake Sawinski 8, that's at J-A-K-E-S-A-W-I-N-S-K-I-8. Rate, review, subscribe to the show on Apple Pods, available on Spotify as well, but Apple Podcasts is the one that really gets uh, the good um, impressions if you rate and review those. So if you do listen to the show, if you enjoy the show, please go rate it five stars. Um, Write a review, follow the show. Keep the ball rolling. Have a good week, guys, and I'll talk to you next time. Peace.